Support makes it possible. Please make a donation today at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Shelby, hold on. Clary's getting you some juice. Shelby, Shelby, Shelby. Should I get her a cookie? No. Juice is better. Here's the juice. Shelby, Shelby, you need some juice. You need some juice. Stop it, Mama. Drink the juice. Please drink the juice. I've said time and time again that if you come after Joe Biden, you're going to have to deal with me in this case. M to the A to the S to the K, put the mask on the face just to make your next day. Feds be hawking me, jokers be stalking me. I walk the street and camouflage my identity. I'm in love with the coco. I got it for the lolo. I'm in love with the coco. I'm in love with the coco. Rudy Giuliani was celebrating his 74th birthday, wearing his Yankees cap and his Yankees one, two, World one, two, Championship two. ring, when what should ring out but a cheery announcement? <laughs> Booing prompted the New York Post to proclaim, Crappy birthday, Rudy. <laughs> I think a lot of fans look at the Knicks as a brand and expect these younger players who, in their in their lifetime, don't remember the Knicks being good. So, like, I didn't grow up with the Knicks. Well, I seen the Knicks in the finals, but kids coming up after me didn't see that. So, that whole brand of the Knicks to them is not as cool as, let's say, the Golden State Warriors or even the Lakers or the Nets now. You know what I'm saying? It's like the cool thing right now is not the Knicks. When we were invited, uh, I was, you know, I was aware that it, I was going to be surrounded with people from very different views and beliefs. One, two, one, two. I didn't do anything. I'm a nice man. I mind my own business. So you tell me that's that before I beat the hell from you. One, two, one, two. I have so much strength in me, you have no idea. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I would say that's that, Mattress Man. Up to the, I 
broadcast booth in slightly chilly Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's sweater weather. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Brace to the Bottom, baby. My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea. Because that's how you know it's Winslow. I'm drinking it right now. Iced. Mmm. That is gosh darn scrump, scrump, scrum diddly umptious. In the background, we're hearing... Svanborg? Cardib? Svanborg Cardib. Off his album Haven. This is post. This is a jam, right? Thank you for being with us. If you're just uh, listening to the program the first time, welcome to the Race to the Bottom community. Great to have you. Today we're going to be talking to... We It's kind of like a 
a blind date with me and Matt Pogachnik. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Friend of a uh, friend of a friend. Really interesting, funny guy that I got to know through our our buddy Scott Bunn, our mutual friend. Scott's been coming through. Had uh, Scott Bunn from formerly Steve Sachs Syndrome. Now the show is known as Run That Back, indie, but it's still indie sports radio on Asheville FM, my former station. Sister station. How do I how do I get the sister station? I got to talk to Radio Free Brooklyn management. How do I create sisterhood among our stations? BHS Tim Bowers. But Matt and I are going to talk about Mexico. Because he found out when I was, I put a in, a, in a mashup a few weeks ago, I put, hey, hey, just that one line from I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. And I told a story about how a person lived below me in, when I was living in Querétaro, Mexico, and they would blast I Will Survive as they were getting ready for the night. And he said, oh my God, you lived in Mexico? I did too. We should talk about that. And you know what? We had had Scott Bunn and Mike Vago on the show to, to come up with topics. We can still do those topics. I've got that list. And we were maybe gonna do one of those topics with Matt, but I said, you know what? That's a that's a dang good thing to uh, talk about. You'll have things you want to talk about, and I will too. Who said that? Research team. How about that mashup, guys? That was a uh, mashup through time. We got some new stuff and some old stuff in there. We heard from uh, Steel Magnolias. You know, the juice scene. Where Julia Roberts is having a little uh, diabetic episode, and Sally Field makes her drink that or- orange juice, even though she's not have she doesn't want to. She says, "Drink the juice, Shelby. Drink that juice. I don't want the juice, Mama." <laughs> it's just good, good, good uh, cinema. We heard from uh, Cory Booker, the Happy Warrior. I love that clip. I forgot that was from something where uh, people were getting on Joe, and this was from two years ago. Uh, this this time, two years ago, and the primaries were heating up. And I forgot the context of that, but it just shows how how much of a happy warrior Cory Booker is, because he says, "I've said time and time again." If you come after Joe Biden, you're going to have to deal with me. You think that's where the sentence ends. But then he says, in this case, <laughs> tempered, 
you know, tempered fighting words. We heard from uh, from Rudy. Uh, who's that? One? That's not Candy Crowley, but it's the voice. It's that CNN voice where she's like this. Who's that lady? I. It's not Candy Crowley. But she has a thing that does not. Rudy Giuliani. Who is that? Can somebody tell me the name of that anchor? She does like little interstitial things for. It's like she's. She came from. You remember Around the World in 30 Minutes? The like subsidiary of, of CNN? Where they just loop the news. She seemed like she came from that organization. Anyway, this was from, again, two years ago. And Rudy was at, at the game and he got booed and I was there. I was at that game. That little girl was me. We heard from uh, the Fugees with the mask. Get a little more Winslow. Mm. And I'm actually doing the show from a. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm I'm at a concert hall, still waiting for the Fujis to to come on. <laughs> Fujis have reunited, and who would have guessed that they're uh, have been epically late for their shows? I think it might be Lauren Hill that uh, it's tardy to the party. But the mask. And I've I've argued, every time this song comes up, my wife and I argue about uh, whether it was in the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, and it was not. We've looked it up many times. But have you ever worn a mask? M today to the S to the K, put the mask on your face just to make the next day. Who would have thought when that when did that come out? 96, 95? Who would have thought that why haven't they used the that song for a little PSA? We heard uh In Love with the Coco. I forgot who sang that song, but that goes out. That came out when I was working at Applewood with uh, Chris Mata, and he used to sing that song all the time. Good memories. We heard the little PBS uh, synth thing. Is that a Moog synthesizer? We heard just the the uh, kind of musical breakdown from uh, somebody I used to know. Remember that song by Gautier? What's he doing these days? I wonder if somebody I used to know is on Rolling Stone's top 500 songs. Did you happen to look that up? I wanted to, but I think if you've ever tried to go on Rolling Stone on your phone, they should do a thing, uh, best 500 pop-ups that... (laughs) That you you see when you go try to 
look at an article on Rolling Stone, and especially those those like lists, you got to click to a, a new web page for each of the 500 songs, or at least they do it by like 25. What's the top song on there? Freebird? Someone else's show is playing. What? Hold on. I don't know if somebody else's show is playing. Oh, whoops. <laughs> That's fun. My research team about gave me a heart attack there. They, My research team tuned into Asheville FM. Man. Whew. My heart's racing. We heard from KD talking about the Knicks. The Knicks just aren't cool anymore. The Nets are cool. I beg to differ. Be interesting uh, to see how the Nets do. They've got one of these uh, dissidents, as a wonderful journalist called Kyrie Irving. He's a dissident refusing the the vaccine. He's like, he's one of these... uh, New truth tellers, like Dave Chappelle, sticking it to the uh, to the over overprivileged uh, liberal pieties, right? But I, I disagree with Mister Durant. I think the Knicks are cool, and I gotta get we gotta get cable. To be able to see, when when you live in a in a town, you got to get cable to to watch their games. There's this thing called blackout, and I'm not talking about um, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> it's dumb. Is Michelle shocked on the uh, top 500 songs? Got to get Michelle shocked on on here as much as they play that promo on on uh, on this radio station. Maybe she'll unveil a new album title. You ever see see these uh, ads like from Pitchfork or something, where it's like Fleet Foxes reveal new album title. Wow. Can't uh, hold the press. It's just funny, like, with the attention economy, having been a musician where you're trying to get your stuff out. You can work three years on a record and and put it out and barely uh, hear hear a plunk, hear the plunk of a pebble 
going into a pond. And then and then you got these other people who uh good good publicists, I guess. You get an article in Pitchfork that you got a new album title that has has been revealed. Got to stop stop work. Take take the rest of the day off work to get to a <laughs> safe place to click click that article open and see what the new Fleet Foxes album title is. By the way, do you think that when I was talking to Jonathan Scales, who was on that uh, thing, Tiny Desk, Desk is so tiny. It's so tiny, you know, they don't even, I can't even see it anymore. They're just standing up over there in the corner. I bring back the desk, guys. But John Scales said it's Jonathan Scales he prefers. I always forget that. A motorbike driving by. Have the window open. Come on. But um, Jonathan Scales says that when you're doing tiny desk, it's like it really is an office. And you have people working really hard on their uh, revealing <laughs> new album titles or whatever. Or uh, like both sides in... Uh, fascism and <laughs> no NPR is not that bad but then they're like okay five minute warning they tell everybody and they're like oh come on you think they're ever like another tiny desk concert trying to finish this article got Michelle shocked <laughs> coming in this better be a, a quick one we heard from uh from ellen talking about her buddy gw we heard from roger rabbit we heard from one of the all-time greatest scenes from punch drunk love i'd say that's that mattress man and as i always do this time of year, we heard from you two with their song October. And I'm about to talk to Matt. He'll be calling in. But before he does, I'm going to unveil my new album title. <laughs> no. So next week, just to let you know what we're doing on the show, uh, we're going to do a, a, a freestyle kind of show I guess it's not a hundred percent freestyle and I have been a stickler for what freestyle means um I'm gonna take your calls I'm gonna talk extemporaneously I do have some some songs and I guess this part will not be freestyle I have one two three four songs that I want to play for you all next week and I just have these backlogs of songs that I'm like I got to play that on Race to the Bottom. That's good. That's Race to the Bottom good. Oh, man. I can't believe it. Uh, call in Call in next week about that um, person who just texted me. 
I would love to talk about that next week. So we'll take we'll take uh, phone calls next week. I'm going to try to get a bunch of phone calls, play some music. Then the week after that, we're, we're, it's been a while since we've heard from Tom Domena. Oh. Tom's going to uh, give us a call. And then right before Halloween, we got a kind of Halloween show. And Matt, if you were just trying to call, the, the line was uh, off the hook, but you should be able to call now, Matt. Race to the bottom. Hi. Hey. How are you, John? I'm I'm doing I'm doing well. How's it going? Good. Is this is this it's Matt? Really well. Is this Matt Pogachnik? Is that how you say your last name? That is how I say my last name. That that's then that, that's how I say it too. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of consonants, and it's um. It looks very challenging, but then once you kind of dive in and just like after the G, you're just, you're in it and if you just go with it, it's fine. I'm, I, I, I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Matt, you kind of, you kind of sound like you're uh, on a walkie talkie. Is there any way you can uh, get uh, any louder or... um, Or is, or is that just... How, how is this? Uh, yeah, how that's this? better. That's better. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. Whew. So, uh. we're here... We're, <laughs> did you hear me say this is kind of like a blind date? It is. It is totally like a blind date. I laughed when you said that because... And I've been thinking about it this week. I was, I, I, your show is so good. Oh, and, thank you. And you're... And you're so good at hosting it. And like, I was listening to, um, I was out on a walk and I was listening to last week's show and I was just like, how, I don't belong on this show. (laughs) These people are amazing. Dr. Lisa. Oh, Dr. Lisa. Yeah. She's a gem. That was incredible. Yeah. Truth bombs and F bombs. Yeah. On air. Um, so (laughs) Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't give context. You're saying I'm a great host, but you know what I didn't do last week, Matt? Is you I didn't announce the mashup. I didn't announce the mashup. Wow, that that wasn't even what I was going to bring up. But yes, I did not <laughs> announce the mashup. I also I didn't tell the the listeners uh, about who Dr. Lisa was. Uh, really, I oh. So Dr. Lisa has a, a show here on Radio Free Brooklyn called uh, Dr. Lisa Gives an S, um, and she she plays a therapist on the show, kind of like a Fraser Crane uh, kind of uh, vibe. It's an excellent show. People should really check it out. I've, I was on there, and um, so she kind of just does each show like a, a, a therapy session, um, and it's fascinating. She talks a lot to comedians and and to artists and to all people from all different walks of life and uh she's hilarious i'll have to add that to my list yes of I, shows i listen to on radio free brooklyn yes so um 
Yes. No, go ahead. So, Matt, we, um, you and I are both, uh, we, we have something in common that we, we realized that we are both uh, dudes who lived in, in Mexico uh, during our 20s, or, or you're a little older than I. How, when did you live in Mexico? What, what age? It was uh, it was also in my twenties. I was twenty twenty three to twenty five. Yeah, right. And I uh, right around the time of my life when I I lived in Mexico. So I was thinking that we could do this. Um, okay. We can do like in in three sections here. Uh, kind of Me- Mexico bef- bef- before Mexico. Like, how did we? Uh, what were our associations? What kind of led us to uh, taking the plunge to, to live in, in uh, south of the border? Um, then we can talk kind of during um, and talk about our, our experiences there during those, those years. And then, and then we can okay. talk about uh, a- after and kind of what, you know, looking back on it in retrospect and kind of our feelings about that time and and also just about uh what's going on with mexico uh now and and our kind of um more big picture relationship with that country how's that sound that sounds i like it um i like it and just for context would you say matt that you are a a white dude yes so i just wanted to call that out for that we're we're both two uh white american males you know, talking about living in 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 Mexico and and just you know that's that's part of uh, part of the thing and um, for sure yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that and in you know in that reality that that there is a a slight bit maybe of a you know I don't I don't want to say like um. <laughs> what's the word like colonialist kind of tourism that could could be um construed with this uh so well, i thought yeah, we'd I just was, put it out there before uh, so we don't have that blind spot you know for sure and i actually like just kind of thinking about you know this stuff that was coming to my mind uh before i was going to be on i would i was probably one of the first times i realized that Probably it was the first time I realized that that just I mean I know that I'm lucky and I assume that you are pretty lucky too. Mm-hmm. Just and like to to be able to go to Mexico and just live there and then leave mm-hmm. and have that be part of our lives. That's you know, I I was like when I heard you say you had lived in Mexico, I was like, God, I never really talked to anybody who <laughs> lived there before, and then I realized that like not many people get to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's not. I wish a lot of people could. But, yeah, you know. So, um, what are your what were your associations with with Mexico before you went? Like as as a kid or as a as a teenager? What what kind of were 
um, got you maybe on the path to thinking that uh, you would maybe like to do this kind of traveling and and um, cross country cross cultural living? Well, I you know when I was in I grew up in North Dakota, south of Fargo, about an hour, and when I was in high school, um, you know I was not I was a pretty I was, I, I, you know, I'm an open-minded, I was an open-minded kid, but I also had strange blind spots and I was pretty adamant about never learning a foreign language. Mm-hmm. Like that was going to be a goal that I had. <laughs> and then, so I went to college in North Dakota for a couple of years and then I transferred down to the University of Minnesota and they have a language requirement and I, well, I'll take Spanish. Mm-hmm. So... I start taking Spanish and then it turns out that they have a program where you can uh, go. Well, I should say first, I ended up going to Mexico because my mom was involved with this thing called the CID, C-C-I-D-D, the Cuernavaca Center for uh, International Dialogue and Discourse. Wow. And yeah. And they're, uh, they're uh, 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 liberation theology. Outfit. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're still there or what, but so I went down for like a week and you go and it's a lot of, it's just, you go and you tour around, uh, we were in Cuernavaca and so it was, you tour around to, to towns and neighborhoods in the city where people are really living on the edge and you meet them and talk to them. And then the hope is that you, you know, you take that information back to the States and at minimum, you know, maybe change the way you are living in some way to help those people. Which mm-hmm. again, I mean, kind of goes back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, you know, problems Yeah, with that. But um, so that's where Mexico first kind of came on my radio radar. And then I ended up going to Mexico to take Spanish because you could take, you know, whatever, four mm-hmm. quarters, a year's worth of Spanish in a very short amount of time. And at the end of uh, the classes at the school in Cuernavaca, so I ended up back in Cuernavaca, uh, a guy walked up and was like, hey, I'm looking for people to, who might be able to stay teach English mm-hmm. and you know I again I'm very lucky I didn't have to worry about really student loans at all and uh, I mean I had already taken some time off of school previously so like sure I'll stay so I ended up uh, working for this guy this character uh, Al <laughs> and, uh-huh. and teaching English in uh, the businesses, he he had a contract to like teach teach English at like Baxter, you know, the big medical <laughs> manufacturer, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he had eventually he got contracts to teach English at the hotels, and so I ended up I lived in Cuernavaca for about six months, and then I ended up living in Zihuatanejo. Uh, north of Acapulco for about a year and a half. Oh wow! Yeah, doing like ho- hotel um, hotel English. Yeah, so I was 
teaching the the employees uh, uh, at a couple of different hotels and like living pretty large because I like you know all my students worked at the hotels and so they'd be like hey Mateo you want to come to dinner tonight at the restaurant <laughs> you nice know? But, you know and like there was a di- uh, there was a disco attached to the hotel and so I would get in free to the disco and they call them anthros right uh what was it it was um Christine's it was uh Hotel Cristal mm-hmm. but I I remember and, at least oh. where I was in in Queretaro they said vamos al antro like not oh. a disco but anthro I don't know why they call it an anthro and not a I don't a know either disco no it was they call it, there was the there was the the discotheque. Okay. <laughs> so let let me catch uh, up where because uh, you're we're yeah. you're already during. Let me get to during for yeah. me. So sorry about that. Um, I took we had to take a, a language in high school, and I took I took Spanish, and I. I was not a great I was not in a good headspace to be a great student for a lot of my time in high school um mm-hmm. and so a lot of the time in Spanish I would it was the same kind of thing where I was a disconnect where I wasn't really ready to learn another language it's it seemed kind of far fetched um so in my Spanish class I would do the thing where you would put uh like I would have my textbook and then I would have another book um, underneath and I would just read and I was obsessed with the beatniks and so I think I was thinking about it this morning I think that my the closest I had to like an an exposure to Mexico was from Jack Kerouac and in his uh, his books where he goes to live in Mexico and in San Miguel de Allende and and all of his his crazy he goes um, a you know, he goes to northern Mexico during On the Road and has, has some wild adventures. There's the book Tristeza. Um, there are multiple uh, books where, where he, he pops down uh, south. Um, and I think I made it to like Spanish 3 and then was like, all right, this is too abstract. And I was okay with it. But it just didn't really seem to connect. I lived in Norfolk, Virginia, and I had, you know, just no exposure to actually speaking an, uh, another language or, or being in a in a culture where where English wasn't the predominant thing that you heard. And then during right. during college, I went with my with my parents and a friend across the board. We went to visit their friends in El Paso, and. They took us across the border to Ciudad Juarez for the day, um, and we were just kind of tooling around, going to the different markets, and and uh, we ate in a restaurant where they had mariachis playing, and um, I just felt myself in in the um, milieu, like in in the uh, a place where people were actually speaking Spanish, and I had this. It was a that day kind of just changed everything, um, and I, sure. I was like, oh, this this is actually real, and I was like trying to remember my verbs and my conjugations and and speak and and um, and I decided to uh, go. That was my freshman 
that was like fall break my freshman year or spring break. I, I decided to start taking Spanish, and I ended up majoring in Spanish. I was um, It was a new major at oh, my, wow. co- my college, and I was the first person to major in Spanish at Warren Wilson College in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and then, so as part of that major, I, I went, I knew I needed to do uh, a semester um, abroad in a, in a um, you know, Spanish-speaking country, and we had like a sister college in, in Querétaro, um, which for people, that's like three hours northwest of Mexico City, kind of like desert-ish uh, kind of, but it's a very historical city. It had a lot to do with the the Mexican Revolution, and it has all these. This kind of, the city center has all these kind of ornate, uh, you know, um, kind of classic architecture buildings, and and it's really quaint. Um, I yeah, I think I was there once briefly. The, and I remember it being very beautiful. Yeah, and I was I. I've been to quite a few spots in Mexico, but I never went to Cornavaca. I've always wanted to. How would you describe Cornavaca? Oh boy! Um, well, when I when I was there, um, it yeah, it's it's a it's a it was a very it's a big city. It had become a very big city um, because uh, after that huge earthquake in uh, Mexico City in the late eighties, uh, <clears throat> all the, all the big businesses and companies and people, um, moved, uh, just South. It's like an hour and a half South of Mexico city, uh, where it's way less likely that something like that would happen again. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the, the town ta- was a town for a very, very long time. And so it had, you know, the, a very you know small quaint uh, Sokolo and uh, a, you know very uh, sort of dense tight uh, downtown uh, beautiful and and you know and charming like you know like a lot of those smaller towns and then it, the population just exploded mm-hmm. uh, when all those companies start mo- started moving in and so you had it was this intensity of, uh, of a, kind of like a, a city sort of growing up around a small town so fast, uh, that they kind of, you know, they had like tons of traffic and, um, a lot of kind of like almost like sprawl. Mm-hmm. You could only describe it as sprawl. And then, and then there was, you know, the kind of the, the center of the, of the town or the center of the city, uh, was kind of a that that was really really wonderful. So you kind of got sort of like both things <laughs> in a in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I had a lot of fun there. It was it was and it was a really you know the I lived with this guy he rented a room to me and he taught me how to cook uh, chilaquiles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> And, yeah, and you know, and all the the students I had were were really cool, and it and it was the first time where that I like that I felt like I was 
I began to feel like I was just living in this place and that I was just another person in this city. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a pretty amazing feeling, really. Did, did people... You know, to start... I'm sorry. To no, start what? To start, to start to feel like that, that you belonged there in a weird way. Did you know? people call you uh, Guero? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's like yep. whitey, like I would go through the, I lived, uh, so first I lived, I had a homestay and I lived with this family and the dad kind of took me under his wing um, and was really um, kind of obsessed with hanging out with me. And then I kind of realized <laughs> that I think he kind of had a, a another life as uh, like a, a closeted life as a gay man um yeah and he had all these uh he, these great friends and i just made it uh clear to him i was like look um you guys are awesome i want to keep hanging out with you but uh i'm not uh i'm not gay but let's so we would go uh all over the uh the place um and kind of had this kind of clandestine uh i was part of his kind of clandestine life um and then um, Can I ask it, a quick question? Yeah. Did you so during your time out with those guys? Because the guy that I rented a room from was mm-hmm. also a, a gay, not closeted at mm-hmm. all. Um, did you ever end up at a club dancing? And did you ever see a dance floor full of gay men singing along to uh, Mio? Este hombre es mío, de Paula. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember the singer's name now. But it's just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, like three hundred men, like mío, este hombre es mío. <laughs> no, I did not. We we did a lot of. Oh. We did a lot of. Uh, well, we went to go see this uh, um, El Vos Jimela, the Juan Gabriel, this this Juan Gabriel oh. um, impersonator. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, an impersonator! Yeah, um, and he would do the whole act. For for those who who don't know, Juan Gabriel is this very flamboyant. He's kind of like a mixture of like James Brown and Liberace and like yeah. Johnny Cash. Uh, he's huge in in Mexico, and he's got. You know, he's written, you know, hundreds of, of hit songs. And, uh, yeah, so we would go see this Luis Miguel impersonator all the time. And uh, we would go to the water park in, in uh, Tubogones, the, um, the the water slides. They, they like yeah, doing yeah. that. And then what was big, did you all have this? I, I love, I wish that there, this existed in the United States. Uh, Troba bar, uh, sorry, Troba bars, where you like you go and see people um, like solo acoustic singers, in, uh, and it's just like a rotating cast of different people who come up and with their acoustic guitar and, and sing songs, and everybody sings songs, and, and you get the cubetas, the the buckets of beer, uh, and you flip them yep. around when you're when you're finished, uh, and then they bring you a new bucket. I had a lot of buckets of beer, but I never, I never, uh, I never got out 
to too many shows, unfortunately, of anything. Um, so how long were you there? I was there. How long was I there? Um, I was there on and off. I went multiple times, so maybe if okay. you put everything together, maybe uh, about a year, year and a half. Um, okay. Yeah, so not quite as as long as as you. Um, so, but you got it. I mean, you were you were there long enough to. You were you were in it. Yes, I was definitely in it, and I didn't I didn't have any. Uh, there was so there were. Um, at my college, there was this group of Canadians that, um, and it was all Canadian women, and they were great, but they just, they weren't, they were just kind of there to party, and they weren't, um, they were just hanging out with each other and speaking English all the time, and I kind of right. turned my back on them. I, I made the pledge to myself that I was just going to speak Spanish. I spoke Spanish, the uh, you know, all day and all night. I didn't... Um, you know, I was really strict about that. So I got pretty fluent and just hung out with Mexican people the whole time um, and made a lot of friends. And, and yeah, so I was, I was definitely in it. There, there really is something about that. Like, and I think, I guess I've talked about this already a little bit, but just like, did you, did you feel like, you know, we were in our 20s, so we weren't really completely fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you feel like you like you were maybe another person? Yes. Or, you know? And you, <laughs> like, yes. You know and what you, I'm trying to say? And you, well, also you, you form different, uh, I feel like you have a different personality when you speak a different language in a way. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, Spanish Spanish John I feel like was was different than than English John and um the other thing that I I felt like I cultivated there um like never before or maybe since is like a sense of kind of like like soledad, like solitude, like I would I was very I really wow. connected with myself. And I would go on yeah. crazy long walks by myself, and um, you know, being in a in a, you know, I talked about people calling you guero all the time. Being in a place where you are suddenly the minority, it it really does something to to your sense of self. I feel like. Yeah, that's so. That's wild that you said that because one of the I I was thinking about you. Well, of course, I was thinking about that. So there would be like days, uh, you know, like there would be long breaks in between classes, um, where like during the holidays, yeah, you know, Christmas and Easter and stuff, where you know we just couldn't hold classes because the hotels would be so busy. Yeah, and there would be days where I didn't speak to anybody, mm-hmm. and so you know, and so uh, I, I, I think about. You know, I would go out and, you know, get stuff. Yeah. But, you know, anytime I interacted with somebody, I'd be like, then I started to speak, I'd be like, I'd say, holy cow, I haven't talked for for like two days. (laughs) And, um, yeah, there's definitely, I I really, 
treasure that time that I that you know that anybody who can should do that. It doesn't have to be in Mexico or it could be anywhere, but like just go a day without talking. And it's when you get into yourself that much. I yeah, it's yeah, relevatory. So. Um, to kind of wrap up and I, I wish we had more yeah. time, um, when, um, kind of looking back on this and, and, and everything, well, I, I feel, uh, an incredible sadness in, in a way because in a big way because of, you know, I was in my twenties and I was pretty impervious to, to any, like I would travel anywhere. I would eat anything, um, mm-hmm. and I got, you know, dysentery, a bunch of, I thought that I was just gonna, uh, you know, recalibrate my digestive system if I ate enough street food and it never quite worked. I just kept getting <laughs> sick, but I didn't care. But anyway, I would travel everywhere and, uh, you know, I've got to see a lot of the country, um, and it's a pretty huge country. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, people would be like, oh, aren't you scared to travel? And I was like, no, it's fine. You kind of get a sixth sense for, for like, you know, where, where is safe and where is in and, and everything. And, but now even a lot of the places that I went and played, my parents came to visit. And now a lot of those places, even when I talk to my Mexican friends, they say, yeah, those, those places just are not, uh, okay anymore. Uh, like Morelia right. and and places like that, but just with the with the drug war and the and the you know the it's just and all the assassinations and kidnappings and and it just you know and I, I it's I think it's a direct um, result of uh, American foreign policy and 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 the drug war and everything, but it's just um, you know I don't know when I would like to take my wife there but i don't know when uh when and where that would be feasible um you know we were there in a, a time when when things were were pretty stable um, yeah what how do you feel looking back and and well, then just to and now yeah i well looking back i mean i i completely agree with you that it was you were a little bit more north, and I know things are, I mean, as far as the, the cartels and everything go, I, that's where a lot of that happens, although, I mean, it's, it is everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've been back uh, fairly recently, up until COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 we lucked into a, a crazy thing. We turned out we knew a person who lived in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, uh, uh, this person actually worked for the embassy. He was a U.S. He was a U.S. marshal. And so we would stay with this guy for weekends and uh, and go on little adventures, uh, go on trips, day trips out of the city. Uh, and, yeah, like you said, I, so like recently, just recently, I got obsessed with, I'm obsessed right now with this liquor, uh, Sotol, mm-hmm. and it's made in northern Mexico, and I just desperately, that my friend and I 
Bordeaux and like visit these distilleries and see it. But like, yeah, it's like there's so many spaces that are could be no go zones. Yeah. Uh, I just wish, you know, the, I just wish that, um, that like a greater part of the American population could just be more open. Yes. To the country of Mexico and, and like figure out a way that we could all help each other. Mm-hmm. And I'd want that in general, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it would be so great if we could stop seeing, you know, these spaces as others yeah. and, uh, and, and, and start seeing how, like ways to solve these problems and how we're involved with them. Well, Matt, uh, Matt, I'm I'm gonna leave yeah. it. I'm gonna leave it there. I got to get ready for Crime Talk BK. Um, let's. Uh, this uh, has been great. Yeah, Thank let's. You so much. Let, come back on the show soon. This has been really, really awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye, John. Wow, that was that was great. Thank you so much to Matt Pogachnik, and thanks for uh, to Scott Bunn for setting us up. Crime Talk BK is next going to do a freestyle show next week um i'm going to close it out with gillian welch i made a lover's prayer of soul journey i'll talk to you all next week peace I made